Thanks for tuning into this very first episode of In Between the Mounds. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to introduce myself and talk about my journey as a tree planter in Canada and to becoming an establishment contractor working over here in Britain. I'm going to talk about the highs and the lows of my story, and I'll be talking about why I started this podcast and the kind of things that you can expect to hear from it in the future. Let me know what you think. Please leave a review along with any suggestions of people you'd like me to interview or some topics that you'd like me to talk about. Let's get started. So I was born in uh, Alberta, Canada, uh, and uh, I spent most of my days um, living on a, a small acreage um, outside of the city, uh, just in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Um, I was never really into forestry as, as a kid. Um, I mean, my, my father had a couple of different businesses, uh, so I've always helped him. Um, and um, when I wasn't helping him, I was, I was um, doing photography work um, for a local newspaper, taking pictures of cars uh, that are for sale. Um, I did some timber framing for a little while because uh, the Calgary was going through a boom, a housing boom at the time. Um, I used to sell electronics in a uh, in a retail outlet called Radio Shack. Kind of dating myself there with that one, and um, and then I ended up um, finding myself working for a property management company, uh, doing all of the maintenance coordinations on their um, commercial properties. Um, so I ended up um, um, going to school to further my skills for a little while, but I didn't really stick with any of my education because I ended up falling in love with tree planting. I ended up studying a bit of mechanical engineering and then um, radio broadcasting um, before uh, my career of tree planting really took off. Uh, I started planting in the early noughties uh, out of a place in British Columbia called Prince George with a company called Apex Reforestation. Um, shout out to Kurt Wiedemann for making that introduction to me. Thank you very much. I'm not sure if I should love you or hate you, but um, I do appreciate it. Um, and then, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to, uh, to Jeff Burns for teaching me how to plant trees. I'm, I'm sure you absolutely couldn't stand me, but uh, you're definitely made of some pretty tough stuff. So thanks for putting up with all of my stuff and, uh, and teaching me how to be a good planter. Um, but I must admit, I, I didn't actually learn how to plant with a shovel right away. I ended up learning how to plant with this tool called a dibble. Now, um, I'll describe a dibble for you who don't know what a dibble is. Um, it, it looks pretty much like a shovel, you know, so you got the D-handle, you got the shaft, you got a kick plate. But instead of having a blade, you've got a spike. And the kicker, the kick plate, or the kicker, it's adjusted uh, for how big the plugs are. And you can get um, various thicknesses of tips. So uh, when you're planting spring trees, um, uh, smaller plugs... Um, you can use the smaller dibbles, but then when you get into summer trees, um, then you get uh, um, fatter, or wider dibbles. Um, I, I'm making these references to like can, uh, to my experiences in Canada. Um, I know my plugs over here in the UK are pretty much the same, uh, but over in Canada, you've got like varying sizes of trees depending on the uh, time of the year that you're planting. I mean, we only usually plant in 
the spring and the summer there i mean there's there's coastal contracts that happen in the early spring and then the fall as well but most of the trees in canada get planted in the spring and the summer and they're different sizes anyway um i won't digress too much into that but what i will say is that um it wasn't until the second season that i learned how to plant with a shovel um i was doing um uh, a contract with a company called ngr and uh, there was a checker uh, a guy called seal that's all I remember his name was, but anyway, um, he he couldn't really fathom why you know it was it was these it, my my trees were a bit loose and there was a bit of air pockets in there, but it was because I had a really fat dibble and I really had small plugs, so I wasn't closing holes very well, and it was annoying him and it was annoying me as well too because I didn't have a shovel, so he ended up giving me a shovel, said go plant with this, and I'm like well it's gonna slow me down. He's like well at least you'll get some good quality trees in the ground, so I went out and um, tried my best with the shovel, um, frustrated uh, with how slow it was, and uh, came back to the cache to go bag up again, went to go and look for my dibble. Lo and behold, my dibble was gone. So I carried on the rest of the day with the shovel, um, got back to the truck at the end of the day, and saw Seal, gave him my numbers, and I said, hey, have you seen my shovel? Or sorry, have you seen my dibble? And he says, nope, but that's your shovel now, sorry. And uh, yeah, later on, I found out that um, he uh, accidentally drove over it. Well, <laughs> I don't. Anyway, I don't know. So um, so yeah, I just ended up um, um, shovel planting after that and um, picking up speed. And yeah, never looked back. I don't even know if we can get a dibble anywhere uh, these days. But anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, I floated around for a different couple of com uh, companies uh, for the next few seasons until I ended up um, finding a home with a company called Mountain Reforestation, um, uh, doing a lot of contracts out of a place called Vernon. Uh, I stayed with them for three seasons, uh, one as a planter and then two as their secondary occupational first aid, um, level three uh, first aid attendant, and they gave me a little crew with my ETV and yeah it was uh, it was a fantastic uh, learning opportunity to learn how to manage people to manage blocks and um yeah expand my skill set and unfortunately um kevin passed away and um the company folded and um so i ended up having to find another business to work for and i truly landed on my feet uh, i definitely did uh, i ended up moving you know, to a company called torrent silviculture um, with Dave and Green, and um, I mean, Devin was probably yeah one of the the best people I've ever had the opportunity to work with um, as a planter. Um, I mean, it was a great experience with this company. I mean, um, I got a shout out to some one of the best crews and people that a group of people that I ever worked with as a planter. I mean, the Dinical Brothers, Steve and Mark, uh, John Brennan, Marie, Emily Scott, Malia, Jana. Uh, Ashley, Laura, uh, Harris, um, yeah, Trev, uh, the legendary Rene Escalante. Um, there's a couple of you guys' names that I that I forget. Um, there's always a couple of crusties in the camps as well too that uh, that are fun to have around. But but no, honestly, I mean, um, yeah, thank you very much for that experience. Um, you had you had great support staff that season. I mean, Winger was probably one of the hardest. And uh, hardest working and best checkers, you know, I've ever worked with. And then your tree runner. Um, I forget his name, but um, yeah, heck of a hockey player. But uh, man, yeah, great tree runner. And you definitely had a good support staff around you. 
that was kind of like the beginning of uh, when I ended up doing like three years of pretty much non-stop planting. Um, I'd start in BC early spring and then do the summer and then uh, I'd move over to Alberta and then I'd finish well into August. Then I'd fly over here to the UK uh, to be with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And I'd take like a month, month and a half off just to like sleep, eat. I'd pull in some pints in a pub as well too, just to keep myself occupied before I tackled the British winter planting season. And then pretty much as soon as the planting season in Britain started, like late October, um, I wouldn't stop planting until the end of my uh, next year's Alberta summer season. So I would pretty much go like 10 months nine and a half, ten months of the year planting. Um, I mean, it was it was about eight years that I was planting in Canada um, before I kind of made my move to the UK more permanent. And when I moved over to the UK, I started planting in the west coast of Scotland uh, with a fellow Canadian, actually, a guy called Hugh Gilmore. He's the owner of Flat Cap Forestry. That was back in 2008. Um Hugh was subcontracting for um, uh, for a Scottish contractor called Eric Boyd at the time. Um, the next uh, the next winter, um, Hugh won a contract with the Forestry Commission in Kielder Forest, uh, which is down in England, and so he moved his operations down to Kielder. But I ended up staying with Eric in Scotland for a couple of more seasons. Um, ended up running a crew for him, uh, but um, yeah, I, I realized that I really wasn't ready to run a big crew. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes, and um, the friends that I invited over, I'm not friends with anymore because of my mistakes that I made, and I lost a lot of respect from those people because of the choices that I made. Uh, sorry about that. I don't think I've ever had the chance to say that, so um, if you ever listen to this, well, here's my official apology. Um I'm always learning how to be a better person, uh, but I don't always get it right, uh, but I'm always trying. Um, I was planting a lot and formatting, uh, so I, my, my, the numbers kept on creeping up. And as I started getting close to around the 2 million tree mark, um, my career at this point had, uh, had lasted for well over a decade. And so I started looking for some new challenges and some new opportunities. Um, I mean, I was getting better at uh, at the formatting thing as well, too. So uh, I was like, right, well, let's see if I can push that a little bit further. But after an unfortunate disagreement with Eric, I ended my working relationship with him. So I needed to find a new job. Um, I didn't know anybody else in the planting world except for Gilmore. And um, I wanted to stay up in Scotland where my wife was working. So I couldn't, but I couldn't find any other planting jobs. It was really hard to to find some at the time it's, um, so it was, uh, it was it was a chance to to retrain and get some new uh, qualifications which i ended up getting some uh, aerial rescue and aerial chainsaw use certificates and i found work with uh, a bunch of tree surgeons in the edinburgh area working on the ground um, in hopes that one day i could start uh, climbing in the trees and being a tree surgeon so i worked with them for about a year and then uh, my wife ended up finding a, a, a job in, in the Lake District 
And for those of you guys who don't know the Lake District, I mean, it's a beautiful place of the world. It really, really is. Um, it's, it's rolling hills. The ocean's really close by. Uh, you've got great motorway um, uh, links throughout the rest of the country. So it was, it was a great, it was a great place to uh, to move to. Um, I was really close to to Gilmore as well too. So I asked him if I could join them um, for that season, and um, yeah, he agreed. So I ended up working for. Uh, for flat cut forestry that winter as uh, as a foreman slash planter. And I mean, it was a great place to work. He was a great guy. I mean, there's a lot of very like-minded uh, tree planters in his camp um, and, a lot of, and a lot of fellow Canadians. I mean, I felt back home with this gang of misfits. Um, shout out to Mike Bristol and Jeremy McKay and Sophia Reed and don't call them Italian, Yuri the Mad Frulian. <laughs> Thanks for making that a great crew to work with. That was a fun winter. Um, I still remember the beer pierogies that uh, Mike and Sophia and I made over in our uh, my house in Shep when they moved over to uh, to do the Cumbrian contract of Hughes Winter that year. But I wasn't quite satisfied. Uh, there was something that wasn't just quite sitting right. Uh, after several long conversations with my wife and struggling with the dilemma of either walking my own path and being my own boss or really dedicating my time helping Hugh grow his business, um, I decided that I'd have too many regrets if I didn't try it. So I uh, decided that was the time to uh, go to my own and, uh, and give it a hell of a good chance. So, um, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd won a contract for Hugh already uh, with this young man called uh, Peter Topham. He gave me a chance. And, um, and after we completed the contract, it gave me the confidence to try it on my own. I mean, I failed on my first four attempts at tendering for myself, but, you know, I never gave up. And in the end, I ended up securing a, a contract. Um, but uh, I didn't secure that contract right away. Um, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of anxious nights, wondering if I'd made the right choice. So I remember I went back to Canada to go visit my family because uh, I had nothing on it, no work. It's very dead in the uh, planting world here in the UK in the, uh, in the in the months of August and September. So, so while I was visiting back home, I got an email from this company called Till Hill uh, from their Kirby Lonsdale office, which is really close to where I am up in Cumbria. And they were interested in awarding me my very first contract of work. And it was in the village I lived in on a United Utilities contract. So I was like, this, this is too good to be true. It's too good to be true. <laughs> and it turned out it was too good to be true. Oh, man. If only I knew what I know about Till Hill now, back then, I definitely would have waited for uh, work from another company. But I mean, luckily, and ex we're, we're extremely fortunate that we work with some amazing clients and some exceptionally talented foresters. But we had to kiss a few frogs along the way. I mean, and not to discount Till Hill. Till Hill has um, got some great people who work in it. Um, and, uh, and and they're, they're a huge company here in the UK. They've got probably the largest market share. And, um, and they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. But, uh, but unfortunately, our, we've had too many bad experiences with them that uh, we're very reluctant to ever do any work with them in the future. Um, but, I mean, with with the work that we did get with the Forestry Commission and then with Edwin Thompson, a, a, a local land agent, uh, that was the start of us becoming remarkably busy. Um, 
So as uh, as we carried on business, I um, I did some continued professional development, and um, I uh, ended up meeting a couple of great men. Uh, one called David Carey, a horticulturalist, and another one called Gavin Hudson, enthusiastic chainsaw operator, who was working for a guy called Ian Kyle at the time. Uh, I met these two over at a Cumbria Woodlands talk in Windladder. Um, special thank you to Neville Elstone, who who put on some fantastic um, uh, programs over the years. Um, we really miss your uh, your forestry show, and we hope that you can put another forestry show on here in Cumbria. Um, outside of COVID times, that would be fantastic. Now, um, David was always a wealth of knowledge. Anything you need to ask him about trees and plants, he was, he just, he knew it right away. It was just an absolute wealth of knowledge. And Gavin, like, uh, I've never met a harder worker in my life. He's just, and, and loyal. I couldn't believe it. And Gavin would end up later becoming my right-hand man that got my business off the ground. Um, but unfortunately, there's a few years left went by, and um, and Gavin said, "Right, okay, now's the time to uh, learn a few more things and expand his horizons." So he decided to um, uh, head over to Australia and uh, work with an absolute legend in the Australian planting world, Michael Hibbins of Hibbins Plantation Establishment. After Gavin left, that's when I suffered through my first hard and lengthy stage of managing some exceedingly difficult people when um, my woman in shining armor just suddenly appeared. Cue Leslie Whitfield. What can I say? What a woman she was. Anybody who ever knew her always, always had great things to say. She was one in a million. Um... I mean, she played such a pivotal role in my life. Uh, she ended up becoming an investor in my business, and together we started to do some amazing things. We uh, secured a framework contract in Dumfries and Galloway with the Forestry Commission. We ended up planting some of the largest woodland creation schemes in the entire country. Um, I mean, it was it was just we were we were kicking ass, and it was it was amazing. Um, and, but. I mean, it's it was it was things are going really well, and I mean we were making a reasonable profit, and I mean it it it, it but it, it takes it takes so much to get a business off the ground and running. I mean, there's so much sacrifice. I don't think really appreciate. I mean, how much work and dedication, and 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 um, I mean, you you don't pay yourself for for years sometimes trying to do investments and take care of your workers, and and so. Um, yeah, um, and we were finally in, in a very comfortable area, so I decided to uh, um, um, join the policy committee of the English Division of the Forestry Contractors Association, and um, I then later on became nominated to be a contractor on the Forestry Industry Safety Accord Steering Group. I mean, throughout my career here in the UK, I've, I've, I've seen very questionable um, industrial practices, and... Um, and considering I've been looking for some representation of tree planters or someone that I can talk to and have questions about, you know, best practices and how I can improve, that just there just isn't and wasn't, still isn't anything around here. I mean, the Forestry Contractors Association is a fantastic resource, but, I mean, it's predominantly filled with people on the um, chainsaw and the harvesting side of the industry and and nobody really on the planting side. Nobody really has any planting representation, to be fair. 
Um, so yeah, I joined them to see if I can make a difference and see if, if I can add my voice uh, to uh, the tree planter representation when suddenly tragedy struck. Both of my male foremen walked out with some of the members of their mutinous crew after we all mishandled the dispute. Uh, luckily, I had a Leslie to parachute in to save the day, but later that week, she died in a quad biking accident. I was tough. That season ended up turning into survival. With an inexperienced crew and a lot of trees to plant, I, um, I wasn't sure if we were going to do it. After having damaged reputationally through lies and rumors of, of various people throughout the years and the emotional loss of good friends and planters, I didn't think I was going to make it. But we got a lot of help. My friends in the planting community here in the UK rallied around me. And I'd like to take this moment to thank everybody who sent me personal messages so many lovely messages of support. I'd like to thank Andy Smith, um, creating Tomorrow's Forests, and Gone West for helping me out of that, at that season. I couldn't have planted all those trees with the crew that I had. So thank you. The subsequent police and health and safety investigation really rattled me. I've never gone through anything like that, and I never hope anybody of my listeners ever has to go through anything like that. I mean, my, I personally suffered so much, and my business suffered even further, and I ended up becoming dangerously depressed. But I got help. I made a recovery roadmap. I reprioritized the things in my life. I left my role at FISA and the FCA so that I could focus on rebuilding my business and my reputation. I cut the fat in my business. I removed all of the underperforming pieces. I focused my attention on having the best planters and the best foremen I could find. I adopted a Kaizen approach. And today, I'm very proud to say we're working with some of the greatest planters that I've ever had the pleasure of working with in my business. I've got three fantastic, dedicated, hardworking, and loyal foremen, four people, sorry. And we're back in the game. Thanks, Will. And thank you, Gabriel. And thank you very much, Daria, for believing in this. So, why the podcast? Well, I, I highlighted on a few of the things why I'm doing this podcast, but when I first started working in the United Kingdom back in 2008, I couldn't find many resources or any assistance for tree planters here. When I ended up winning my first big contract in 2012, there was extraordinarily little help available to assist tree planting contractors and to help them improve. To this day, we remain one of the most underrepresented and greatly under-resourced sectors in British forestry. Now, I've always have felt a personal divide and an inherent mistrust amongst fellow tree planting contractors in the UK when I speak with them and reach out with some of them. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are large swaths of contractors out there 
who get along very well with each other. They support each other. They nurture each other. But then there are, there, there are those that are sworn enemies. Now, I come from a country where tree planting is a very well-known, well-paying summer job in the university circles where only a good attitude and a strong work ethic is all you need to be successful in this job. And in fact, it's a rite of passage for many of those university students. I mean, it's paid for a lot of tuitions out there. You know, it's paid for vehicles. It's paid for traveling experiences around the world. Heck, it's even helped people get on the property ladder. And there's a culture and a community that surrounds it. And planters that work together and live in the same camp often become lifelong friends. And that's the same over here. But I was just not getting the same kind of lovely vibe over here that you get over in Canada. And it was starting to depress me. So I wanted to do something about it. You know, I've been waiting for somebody to come along and unite tree planters, or at least try. And there's a couple of companies that are doing really good work. But, you know, it's time to bring us all together. So uh, I'm reaching out. Hopefully you'll you'll reach back. I mean, it's a huge challenge to create a community to bring people together. So we're all going to need some help. So let's help each other out. It's a win-win. Veteran tree planters often say to the rookies that are just starting out that if you can last an entire season of tree planting, then you can co overcome any challenge in life. I mean, planting a single tree is not too physically demanding. However, repeating it thousands of times a day in terrible weather is demanding. Although arguably it becomes a little bit more of a mental than a physical challenge as your body adjusts to the demands of the block. But like anything, you can overcome these mental challenges so long as you stick to it. So after I left my post at the FISA steering group, which is probably going to be a podcast topic for another time, I heard about this Canadian doing a tree planting podcast called The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Her name's Erin Bross. And I thought... You know, as I was looking into it and I started looking at other ones, I was like, how can this be the only one? I mean, there's there's so much tree planting that goes on in the world, but this is the only one that I can find that's for tree planters. I mean, globally, everybody talks about how much good tree planting is and how helpful tree planting is and how it can be the benefit to the world and can bring people together and... So after being inspired by that and Aaron's podcast, I thought, right, I'm going to make one for the British tree planters. Um, and I really hope to have her on here sometime, maybe in the future. So what are we going to talk about in this podcast series? So we're going to talk about all sorts of relevant planter topics. Um, but we do want to hear from you. I mean, what do you want me to talk about? I mean, let us know. Uh, you can leave a recording if you're listening on Anchor FM, or you can send us an email at info at jafforestry.com and let us know what you want to hear. If you want to come on the show and have a chat with us too, reach out. I'd love to have you on. I mean, we're going to talk about all sorts of things, really. I mean, I would like to talk about topics like mental health in the workplace. I want to talk about the planter lifestyle. I want to talk about what goes on behind the scenes before any trees are planted. Hopefully, we'll have some nurseries on here. We can chat with them to see how much work goes into getting these trees to all of you tree planters. Hopefully, we'll talk to you, some of you tree planters and other planting company owners and industry stakeholders about you know, your thoughts about the industry and where it's going in the future. 
I'd like to talk about nutrition and diet and, you know, and how to improve your technique and make you plant some more trees. We're in this to make money and we're also in it to plant some trees. So it'd be great if I could help you out, plant some more. Well, thanks for listening to In Between the Mounds. If you'd like to know more about the podcast or just get in touch with me, uh, you can email me. Again, that information is info at jahforestry.com. And um, yeah, if you have a topic you'd like me to discuss or come on the show, reach out. Until next time, happy planting.